quite good. In the back of your screen, there's like a smaller trophy, or and then the back of Nick's screen, there's like the bigger version. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perfect, right? It's the life size one. I'm only 26. He's like 45 or something. Come on, mate. I'm not telling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's open up. Let's get into these reader questions. Jacob Zeke from La Jolla, California, and I wanted to ask Kolohe why he hasn't made it out to BSR to surf the wave pool and hit that ramp. Uh, I know he loves like Western country style shit and that's perfect for it. I don't know. I just never found the time to go out there, but that's funny. He asked that because I'm supposed to go with the Biola's crew or Lost Surfboard's crew in the beginning or in the middle of the month. So for like three days. Yeah. You got any Zyder surf there, Mick? The BSR pool? Um, before I blew my knee out? Yeah. Now? No. <laughs> I don't need that. You can get barreled there. Yeah, it's fine. I get barreled at home. <laughs> my name is Jackson and I'm from Sydney, Australia. My question for both of you is, on a pumping day, would you prefer to surf snapper or lowers? Definitely snapper for me. Lowers doesn't barrel. Yes, snapper's probably a little bit more get the adrenaline going, you know, behind the rock and... Uh, but yeah, yeah, we'll go with snapper. Why not? But then, but then when you rock up the trestles and trestles is firing and you know, you've got a good board under your feet and you're just like, today's the day I could do some of the most high performance surfing of my life. So they're both pretty amazing. I also feel like lowers is like on a really big day. It's not really that fun. It's more, it's better at that, like three to five foot range. Mm -hmm. Whereas like snapper gets like, eight foot behind the rock right not all the time <laughs> but, <laughs> well that one year like, like two years ago during this during the event remember and they had it at kira it was like crazy yeah. behind the rock yeah that was that was just when all the elements just came together um we haven't we haven't seen waves like that behind there before it was because that was such a long period swell and the winds were so nice that's the only reason that and the tide was so high. That's the only reason that all came together and only lasted a few hours. Um, Mick, you were saying when we were talking last week that I think up until, up until that point, they were the best waves you'd seen on the Gold Coast. Is that correct? That mm. one session? Yeah. Yeah. Otto got one that he reckons they're still writing books about. <laughs> um, Parker got a wave that stopped the nation. Um, and then, yeah, the boys, Seth got a good one. Parker got a good one. Um, but, yeah, and then... Yeah, last week during that swell, um, we had a we went to a spot and surf with Dingo. Me and Dingo were on a ski, then Parker and Hippo on another ski, and Bead and um, Clancy Dawson were on another one. And I think probably the best waves I've ever seen on the Gold Coast. It was ridiculous, um, just big as pits, and, and no one was around. Like couple of guys luke workman and shane number showed up like halfway through the session to, to film and stuff but no one filmed so it's all just in the memory bank just like we're tripping dingo just brought it up yesterday he's like how was that session <laughs> this is like four or five days later it must be strange for you guys not to have evidence of a session like that because like does it i think everything you guys do is documented does it feel like it didn't really happen yeah, that's that's. I think that's sort of why we're tripping a little bit too. It's like we actually went and surfed on the Gold Coast with no one around filming. It's just weird. It's so weird. Like you don't even need to call photographers or filmers because they're they're just there always. Um, and if they're not there, 
one of them's ringing the other one to get them down there. So <laughs> it was just weird, really weird. Isn't and, that kind of like, do you feel like that's kind of cool? Because when I've had sessions like that where there's no, not like documented at all, I remember myself surfing or, or at least getting like deeper in the barrel as opposed to like watching it and being like, oh, I could have like this and that there or like, oh, I wasn't as deep as I thought, like kind of being critical. Like, do you feel like it, maybe it's a little better there's no cameras? Yeah, I was so deep. I'm actually finding it hard to remember my waves, but I can remember all of Dingo's waves because I was sitting there watching. But for me, I, I can't remember them. <laughs> so I have to c- cross and compare notes. Well, that's so, exactly yeah. what it's like to be a civilian surfer. That's what you think. And the worst thing anyone can ever do is shoot a video or a photo. That's yeah, how it's like, us are. It's like when I go snowboarding. <laughs> I think I'm Sean White and then I'm like, it's just a kook when I see like a, a video. Uh, hey, but Mick, on the, on the conditions, how big was it? How long were the tubes? Like talk us through it. Like if, oh. Compare it to a session or compare it to the kind of waves. It sort of looked like when we are on the ski, to me it looked like reverse sort of chopu where it's just so perfect and like tubes weren't like crazy crazy long but they were just so thick and intense dingo coming off the bottom one and was fully stretched out and he just looked like he's he's only a little dude anyway but he was minuscule in this thing it was like he was there and the thing was like that and it was so thick just like you know when you get those those full blue lips coming it looked like that it was it was so sick it was wild Hi guys, I'm David, I'm from Porto Portugal. Which was the most annoying server you ever went against in a heat situation? In, in what way, like hassling or in just you hate them? <laughs> 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 or they smoke you, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd say for me, like Gabriel was definitely like hard to compete against, especially at like certain spots. As like, is, is, is he annoying? Well, he like a couple of times I've had heats with him where he like sits right next to you when you have priority, like like in your kind of peripheral. Like I just feel like he uses every sort of warfare to his advantage, which is, I mean, most of the heats we have together, he beats me, so it works. But um, who you got, me? I didn't care if people were sitting next to me or not. I just wouldn't show him any, show him any attention. So. You know, you could paddle over me. I wouldn't even blink. Uh, <laughs> it's just, um, but yeah, once you went to QS, I I think just being in QS QS heat. Um, what about Slater? That one time he like tried to like go up and like under the wave broke, and it was like I think it was in the semis of lowers. And oh he, like, no, nah, he looked at a wave and then pulled did, back didn't he, and then didn't went he, like, again. Then he like belly board it and like he was like yeah. up and like trying to like get you interference in the beginning of the heat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I heard you spear tackle them later that night. I wanted to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was off him. <laughs> we had a little tiff. It was all good. Well, Ke- well Kelly's always like, a couple of times I've had uh, heats with him, or Joel would always do this too, um, where they like try to talk to me, and I, and mm-hmm. I just didn't, I didn't like that at all. And I was like, I remember being super annoyed with Kelly. Like, even one time I was in a, a heat after him with the over, overlapping heats, and he was trying to talk to me. And he was in a completely different heat, and I was like, so annoyed, just like, dude, come on. Yeah, some people, some people will sit there and talk to you, and th- and that's the way they they break their rhythm. Like they'll get a couple of good waves, and they'll they'll just start talking to the other person to sort of like, oh god, I've already lost. So it's 
oh, you know, you've already lost, so I'll just get you out of your rhythm. Um, yeah. 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 I, I just <laughs> – I tried that once and, I, and it backfired on me, so I never did it again. Well, yeah. you tried small talk. Who are we? Um, I think it was really early in my career and, um, yeah, it was sort of like naive rookie just like – Oh yeah, I got a pair of sixes. I'm gonna smoke you. <laughs> Ten minutes to go. Yeah. Someone just comboed me. I was just like, "Yep, nice little lesson, kid. Go wake up." And yeah. so, from that point, for the rest of your career, you were then silent in the water. Yeah, dead silent. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Are you silent? Me? Yeah. I've always, or I've never liked to talk during heats. I don't know. I, I've never even really thought about it, just because I thought it was like a time when you didn't talk. I just Never even, yeah. But I remember Joel asking me how my waves were when I competed against him. I was like, what are you talking Like, what? <laughs> He's like, oh, how was your wave? Like, before the score would come in, I'd be like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he would do that. Joel would do that. <laughs> That's him messing with you. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and then I had this one, this one time I had a heat. It was me, him, and Nat at Cloud Break. And he, um, and he was kind of talking to Nat in the beginning of the heat. And then he's like, Oh, are you going to go on this one? And, and it fully like turn or like caught Nat off guard. And Nat was like, uh, no, I'm not. And then he went and got like a 9.9. And it's yeah. just like, it was funny how, how good it worked. <laughs> Use car salesman, old park. I want to hate, mate. He'll say <laughs> anything. So funny. <laughs> okay. So let's talk heat strategy here for a second or even tour strategy. So brother, you're 87 world tour events in. Uh-huh. Uh, two as a rookie, uh, 85 as a full-time surfer on the world tour. And you've made no secret of saying that you have modeled yourself on how Mick plays his career. Talk us through that. Um, well, it's, it's kind of weird because he's here, but... That's, that's why uh, that's why I was trying to make it as awkward as possible. <laughs> uh, I mean, even before, like, even before, like, competing and, like, the way I wanted to go about myself... Um, I always just wanted to surf like Taj backhand and Mick forehand. Nothing against your backhand, but uh, <laughs> I'm saying it. <laughs> it's missing. <laughs> Still, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was just the way I wanted to. Um, the way I wanted to surf. I think my dad just ingrained that in me. Like, always wanted me to surf real round, like Mick. Those nice, like round, tight to the pocket wraps, and um, just having that like spring and blast and kicktails backhand so i don't know and then um i guess like once you started winning your titles and stuff i was just like got super behind you or whatever uh you know with the shaved head and like the all blue wetsuit with the blue boards like i was just psyched on it and uh bring it back <laughs> and then um yeah it was interesting because then once i got on tour i got to like be closer to you actually winning your titles and seeing how you went about yourself and stuff. So yeah, it was rad. And what was it like for you, brother? So Mick was someone you looked up to and then he gave you advice. And then, so you came up against him in 2013 in Fiji and then 2015 in round three at your home break. Yeah. How was it surfing against him at lowers knowing what he's like? He's giving you advice. What's that like? Well, he, I don't know. He, I don't know if he did, but he, it wasn't really until I was like open to hearing things that I actually was like the last couple of years where we spoke about things or questions I had about certain waves or boards or whatever. So 
uh, I mean, in 2013, is that, is that what you said? 2013 at Cloudbreak? 2013, round five at Cloudbreak, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that that uh, heat. I was just, I was in a position where I was even stoked to be in that round just because I was just getting my ass kicked every single event. And I think that was round four before the quarters. And I remember the waves were pumping and he um, actually got like a couple of good scores, maybe like a high seven and an eight. And then you ended up getting like a 9.8 and a 9.1 or something. Back in so, not that bad. <laughs> yeah, I remember back that. In, back, I, back in tube I riding. The, I went the first wave and just had a shocker. And I just saw brother just getting barreled right in front of me. And I got so mad at myself and just was like, fuck. And, um, <laughs> and then, yeah, paddled out. And then um, he got, I think he got another wave as well. And then I just got two back to back, got one. Really good wave, kicked out just in front of him too. Yeah, that's and what it was. Got yeah. back out and um, got priority under him, and then got my next good one, and sort of just turned the tide. But yeah, that, that was, was, <laughs> you made the final that year against yeah. Kelly, or yeah, 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 yeah. And but then yeah. in 2015, that was kind of like the that was the last kind of like young, immature, emotional explosion I had. Um, I remember like um at lowers and i and i was like super excited to surf against you or whatever but i just remember like i did a got away or whatever and i thought it was going to be a better score and i just remember like literally giving the bird to the judges for like the last like 15 12 minutes of the heat and then um <laughs> yeah after that ever since that, i was kind of like changed the way i compete or i guess changed the way I, I look at competing and also how i like um handle my emotions <laughs> yeah so, yeah do you remember that do you remember i me do just i like, remember that yeah. because i was sort of i was a bit nervous um not necessarily going up against Kalahe, but um it was a year where i sort of was <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was more it was more out of the water Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no it wasn't like like uh, obviously Kolohe at Tress is amazing. So I, I was nervous in that realm, but it was more more to the fact where um, I had rang, I was transitioning from Phil being my coach and I had Jared House at the time and then I rang Snips and I'm like, do you mind if I just work with you for, for Trestles and, you know, just sort of do something different? And and obviously Snips is Kolohe's coach and and we came together in a heat and I rang Snips and I went, hey, man, if if um, if this feels weird or whatever, like, don't worry, I can have a heat off or, or whatever. Like, I don't want to upset the, the apple cart or whatever. And, and Snips is like, oh, no, it's sweet. It's whatever. And I actually went to Kolohe. I was like, hey, man, look, I don't want to, I don't want to you know, ruffle any feathers, like I'm happy not to talk to him or whatever. And uh, he was like, no, nah, no, nah, it's cool. And then he said something after that. He's like, hey, fucking steal my coach too. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, a, that was a, that was another, that was a heat that was really frustrating because the conditions were really hard. And like, we were both sort of, I guess, for me, looking at Kolohe, it's like, oh, he's, he lives here. He catches all these waves all the time and was mixed up swell and, I was I was pretty lost actually in that heat, and then finally put like one wave together, and then sort of applied a little bit of pressure. But it was a real frustrating heat, I think, for both of us. 
Yeah, it was, it was weird. I think it was like a hurricane swell. So it was breaking like really wide. I remember paddling out on the right, actually. And then your highest score was like a connect the dots eight where you like took off on like, like did one turn and then like went over to the middles and like did the rest of your surfing down there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then your other score was just like a bang, 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 like a six. Uh, we're on this subject of advice. And uh, this is a little bit uncomfortable, brother. Five finals, five runner victories. So 2014, you lost to Michelle. 2016 at Snapper was Wilco. 2017 at Margaret's, it was John, which was repeated again in 2019. And then 2019 versus Italo at Diva. Uh-huh. Mick, did you see anything there that Mick did, that any mistakes he made? Um, well, I let Italo go on the wave. But yeah, look, that, that's a controversial <laughs> it was like a one. Waist high heat, waist high wave. <laughs> yeah, that was a controversial one. Um, that was one where like, it, I, I personally thought he didn't get the score. And, you know, I know that fucking sucks to hear that, but um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I still, I, I, <laughs> I still hear that in the lineup at Lower You've, Fucking got robbed last year. I was bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. does, uh, does, it, does it make you feel better or worse when you hear that? Worse. I don't. I don't even. <laughs> whatever. I just look at it like the things I can control is like I let him go on the wave, and if I take the wave, then I win the final. So it's my fault. Mm, yeah, and then the the actual one. Uh, the, uh, move on. <laughs> we won't talk about that one anymore. Um, <laughs> It was it was after Margie's the second time he surfed against John where Clohe reached out and he was like, you know, what do you see? What do you, you know, um, what can I do to to take that next step? Um, and we we talked a lot about boards. We talked, you know, from from looking at John to Clohe in that final. The the biggest thing was Clohe's board wasn't ripping in the same way as John's, and it was like, all right, well, let's start playing around with that or, and stuff like that. But I guess from my side of it is like, this is something we hadn't got deeper into is, do you feel like there's a mental block there or does it, is it something that, you know, people probably read into a bit more or, um, you know, Richie Lovett back in the day was like, I'm scared of winning. Yeah. And he was such a great surfer. Is, is that something or is it just straight up dumb luck? um well like i said i mean like you guys mentioned like the italo final was super close and actually the wilco final at snapper was really close too i got a wave at the end that was kind of could have went either way but um so i don't really i don't really know it's just a little bit of luck i feel like but also i feel like and i kind of came to this conclusion at the end of last year was maybe in the past i feel like i've been even training and preparing and competing and surfing kind of scared to lose and I felt like that was maybe is kind of like you're driving the bus and wherever, wherever you're looking is where the bus goes. You know, if you're scared to lose, like thinking about losing or whatever, then, you know, it's easier to lose. Not what Richie, Richie said, scared to win. I, I think mine's scared to lose. So, uh, yeah. And then realizing like, you know, my life's so great and like being, being so that when I'm going out, it's not life or death, you know, like everything's my life set, like, just go out and be excited to win and try to serve your best. So I think a lot of times I was like, it almost felt like if I was going to lose, like I was going to die. <laughs> and then so I'd go out. Kinda, 
going out thinking of losing so much and scared to lose that the bus was was going that way. It's it's such a fine line to be able to just go. I'm okay with losing. Um, so then you focus on the win. That that was something that we always tried to tried to balance it. For me, it was like all right, if I just go out and compete my best, if I just go out and do everything that I can in my power to, to do what I possibly can, then I'm okay with it. Yeah, I just wasn't the better person on the day. And that really changed a lot for me when I finally figured that out. Um, so that's kind of like the control, you can control stuff. Very much like, so. Yeah, like that's the only thing you should really think about, right? Yeah, so yeah. I would, yeah, I'd always just be like, well, you know, if if I did everything right and still lost, it's like, well, fuck, go back to drawing board and get better. Um, yeah, but like in those situations where you say that you gave a wave away, it's just like they're they're the things that you're like, fuck, that <laughs> that would eat me up. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, but also too, it's like there's all there's also perspective in that too because if you replay that situation over in your mind and you would give that way, that wave away, like, you know, eight or nine times out of 10, then, and the guy just did some whatever, you know, then mm-hmm. you can't really eat. You can't really beat yourself up about that either. Really. Right. No, well, you've already, you've already cleared that in your own mind. So you're like, all right, I'm good with this. Yeah, so exactly. Like, all right. Drop it. Let it go. <laughs> move on. And you just learn, you know, you might come to that situation again and you're just like, all right, do I go this wave or not? And there's going to be a point where it's like, oh, and sometimes <laughs> you're just going to go, I'm going. Yeah. And fairy tale happens, you know. So it's it's just, I don't know. I, I feel like things happen for a reason. But, um, yeah, I, that was just one question I really wanted to know. Was it was it a mental block or was it just sheer dumb luck? And it looks like, it sounds like to me that, it's more dumb luck. Yeah. Well, also I feel like everyone has their own journey and path and like trajectory at everything. So I feel like I'm still maturing a lot and learning about myself and my surfing a lot. So I still feel really like young and plenty of time to win a bunch of events. So I'm not too worried about it. feels like a lot of other people are worried about it more than I am. <laughs> Yeah, which they is cool, write, I guess. Yeah, they were write headlines, mate. They were write headlines. <laughs> All right, <bro>. Jesus. <laughs> I got a question for you, Mick. Like, just about the letting waves thing go, because I always felt like it was easier for me to take that wave and him potentially get a wave after, than me let the wave go and he gets a score. Do you do you feel the same or? Um. Yeah, it would change. It would change for me sometimes. Um. You know, sometimes I would, uh, like there's certain people that you wouldn't let keep catching waves. Um, okay. Like Gabriel, Slayer. Gabriel, Kelly. Yeah, like those guys, you don't want them to build momentum. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can break momentum, you know, that I had a final with Gabe in, in France and that was my whole thing was like, break his momentum, just keep breaking his momentum so he doesn't get real comfortable on these little lefts doing airs and then shoot across and grab a couple of rights. You know, that was it. Uh, Kelly was the same. It's just like, especially at trestles, Kelly was notorious of just 
catching these little insiders and he keep he finds the little gems that just turn into a score. It's just like it frustrates you. Like I'm sitting out here getting a nine, but he's getting nine on insiders. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's I think it all depends on on who you who you're competing against. Um and it depends how confident you are in what you're doing on the waves when it comes to that. Uh, um, I always, I won't say always, but a lot of the time if I was in the lead and there was a few minutes to go, I'll just take the wave. Yeah. Because that's that kind of what I'm, that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because that also puts the pressure back on the other person. They need a score. And if yeah. they're freaking out, going, I need to score, I need to score. Sometimes Mother Nature will like, I'm going to steer away from negativity and just push away somewhere else. So that, yeah. that was it. That was my mindset. Do you find, or have you found that like, I mean, you're a lot older than me, so you're much wiser and smarter about life. But like, uh, I, f- I found Was that, that a job? <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm retired. I found that like, competitive surfing and all these like decisions and living with this and living with that has kind of has taught me a lot about just life and whatever. So do you think that's a lot? Like, do you see that at all or? You've got to play the cards you get dealt. Um, You know, a lot of times people will sit there and, you know, there's the people that play the victim and they're like, oh, you know, the waves weren't right or the conditions were wrong where there's other people like, okay, this is what I got. Let's just run with it. Um, you know, I, I look at that in people and I admire that in people. You know, you go to places, you know, third world countries and you see kids kicking around like just a plastic bottle and that's their soccer ball, but they're having so much fun. It's like, yeah, you know, I got everything in the world and I'm not having fun. Like it's like, come on. But a lot of people are pretty set in their ways. I find, I think, right. Like it seems pretty rare that people are like open to learning. And those seem to be the, the most successful people in general. Wouldn't you think? Some people are sitting their ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that comes from fear of change or if that comes from, um, you know, just, not being open enough to take advice. Um, but, and then they, some people, it'll, you know, they would be surrounded by people that just sit there and blow smoke up their ass the whole time. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. It's like, yeah. seriously, like, you know, I think that's some people that are the victims, they are surrounded by people and no, no, that's not your fault. That's not your fault. And I'll just keep feeding that. Who are they, Mick? Who, who is uh, it? Who are they? Um, I'm not going to mention names, <laughs> uh, but I feel it, like that's generally like 95 percent of the people of the general population, or, or yeah, <laughs> no, just the population. Like everyone, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what we wanted to really get you on the phone for today was to spill the beans on what you know about the 2020 World Tour, brother. What do you know? I, I'm same as you guys. I don't know much. They s- oh, don't. No, I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, they want to make the title and some boat trip or something, top five or six, right? And they want to make do some more regional events, and they want to condense everything. I don't know the whole like decide the title in one day thing is. I'm super skeptical on it. I don't think it's like very logical, and it's not the way our sport's been 
written in the history books. It's someone who surfs good all the way through a year at different conditions. And I don't really see what's wrong with it. Oh, uh, don't get me started. On this. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I want to hear your point of view because if someone wins five events, how, how are they not the best surfer in the world? Yeah, that's that's sort of from your point of view as a surfer who does the tour. And so I'm coming from someone who doesn't obviously surf in the world tour. Uh, but from someone watching an event, when it does organically happen that you come down to the last day of pipe and it's in good waves and there's a world title decided, it is the greatest show on earth. It's just incredible viewing. And then you just got to hope the planets align that that's going to happen every year. And it happens. It happened last year. Never. It happens yeah. never. But and surf contests aren't that exciting. They take forever. And there's sometimes there's a good matchup that you want to see. But this means that every year there will be a guaranteed day of surfing that you cannot miss. And if you if you have the top four, five, six surfers coming together, men and women's, and there's a proper waiting period and it's in really good waves, that would be astonishing viewing. And for some But do you else, actually do you actually think that or do you like because I don't really see like people in the Midwest really caring about surfing. Like it's like me or my friends or even my friends that don't surf caring about like dirt biking or something. Like like I don't care because I don't I never grew up dirt biking. Yeah, I can't speak for the Midwest audiences when you start talking like that. I, don't, I feel like when no, you no, try I'm, to be all but that's what all people, you dumb things down. That's sorry, go on. Yeah, that makes sense. But that's what they're doing it, right? They're doing it for. They're doing it for like money and viewers and whatever, Instagram live videos. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, from a business standpoint, it's the smartest thing you could do. Because I like we run events and they're at smaller scale. We start but is it fair? It's not fair. Absolutely, it's fair. <laughs> no it's not it's not fair it's not the best surfer in the world it is though because it comes to that final day and they have to turn it on i guarantee you that so in 2016 2019 you would have made the finals day right yeah like the nerves of what you would have to overcome to win that world title on that day would make you a world champ yeah i know but i'm just i mean you could argue that it you could argue that it favor, favors me because I technically, which I've never done, won an event. I wouldn't have to win an event except for one and I could win the world title. Well, you would have to. You would have to beat the best guys in the world no, but I'm on saying that day. All, all year round, I wouldn't have to win an event. And then I could just win that one day and win the title. So and you could say it favors me, but I just don't think it's fair. What do you think, man? Um, <clears throat> it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Um, there's... There is that thought of, yeah, the best surfer in all conditions throughout the year, the most consistent surfer throughout the year should be the world champion. Um, and then, you know, there's been times where it comes down to the last event and it's like, all right, let's let's go. Like I know when, when I've been in world titles, I'd love to have just gone straight up against the guy that I'm – I'm competing against for that world title, which would have been crazy exciting um, because win or lose, you're like, well, I lost to the world champion where we were like, you know, competing against wild cards. We're competing against guys that, you know, trying to save their year on tour and stuff. And it's just <clears throat> too many people to go through to get to that one, get, get to that one guy. So I, I see, I see both, I see both sides being really exciting. 
the one thing that sort of scares me with this last day is are people going to start pulling out events or coasting through those last couple of events? Oh, I'm already in the top five. I don't want to get injured. I don't want to, I want to go home. I want to go and get ready for this event. Um, you know, like, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a real tough one. Um, but you would but- have to think they, and sorry for, for interrupting, I, you'd have to think that they would have come up with some kind of seeding or there'd be something to get around that. So you go in as a, as a higher seed and that could be more beneficial on that, on that day. Oh yeah. Look, I, I think, I think the way that they, they run the final day, your higher seeding is definitely going to benefit you. I think it's from, from what we spoke about, um, in back in 2000, I think it was 17, 16 or 17. Um, they got us together and they ran this idea past us and it was 5v4. And then the winner of that goes against third. And then the winner of that heat goes against second. And then the winner of that heat goes against the first one. And that's um, the top, the best of three final. So, you know, right. the guy okay. who wins, the guy who wins the, the ratings at the end of the, you know, official season, he only has to win two heats where everyone else has to win like three or four or five heats. But look, I, I really like the idea of the condensed season. Um, yeah, I love, I love all, I love all the other new stuff. It's just, yeah, the title but, stuff is. But as a viewer, there could be nothing more exciting than that final day because oh, you guarantee the best guys in the best waves. Like, tell yeah. me, you're going to have anything. Yeah, else but even when that the, day. even when the waves, even when the waves are pumping, there's still slow heats. Like mm, definitely, or the or the wind goes on. Tri- but, like, it's like, a slow a slow heat doesn't matter if some if something with such gravitas is on the line, which is a world title. I think for for a fan and a viewer, it doesn't. When you're in that heat, sure, right? There's going to be some broken boards, some broken knuckles. Yeah, well, even yeah, <laughs> some broken dreams. Yes, yeah, so a lot of broken. But yeah, I could understand the viewer point of view, but I just it doesn't seem fair to me. Yeah, I, look, I because because I think if. If I was where you were in my career, brother, I would probably would have been against it too. When I first heard it, I was like, do I stay on tour for a little bit longer if this is going to happen? Like, it's, it sounds really exciting to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I think, I think people behind the strings or, or behind the scenes are like, yeah, it's just. He's off it. That's fine. Yeah. Look, yeah, I, but I think. Just, no, but it's fan, just, it doesn't make sense because. I don't want to say what I'm going to say. I'll, I'll just, I'll just it's shut just, up. It's I'll just shut us up. here. It's just us. Come on. Look, I, 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 what's he trying to say, Mick? What's what's he going to say? Because I already get to the bottom of this. It's it's definitely something that, yeah, it's definitely fearful because you know what happens if he goes on an absolute tear and just you know goes and wins you know the end of the rating season. Then it's like oh shit, then I'm. Then I've got to serve one more day to actually win the actual title. It's it's like well, no. What I'm what I'm saying is what Mick said. He he said he said he would stay on tour for a little for a lot longer, or or longer because he could be in the top six, and then they they run it at Lance's right or some or some tube riding event where you can be sixty five and win that day. Pat O'Connell. Is far smarter than to just go and have some crazy benefit from one surfer. 
And he's the one who would have devised this. There's just no way they're going to go and run an event in the middle of the night in Indonesia. So you have to wake up. And, like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think I think you're more focused on the wave sort of thing. You know, I guess when it was pipeline and pumping backdoor, everyone was like, Julian's got this. Where Gabe just turned it on. He just, that's just the way it is. And, um, you know, I I think the, I think when she, once you get down to that day, the intenseness is, it's crazy. Like being in that situation where you know you have to perform to go and win that world title, I think you'll have a different appreciation for it. It's, it's, it's really, really exciting. And you know you put everything on the line and you've got to be ready that day. There's so much build-up that goes around, which is super, super exciting. That, that's why I would have stayed on tour for longer if, I, if, it, if it came in earlier. But oh, not because you could finish six and still win the title. At no, no, no. I'd love to just be in that situation or whatever. No, I would love to be in that situation until um, you're like, yeah. And you it wouldn't win, have been when you could just win bells in France every year for like ten more years, and then get in the top six and win the title. Yeah, no, it wasn't like that. I, I love <laughs> okay. the condensedness of the thought. title, but it was more just being in that final day. Being in that final day is, it's, there's nothing like it. Like the yeah. intenseness that goes around it. Like people might only see what happens on the beach, but the build up to it, the, you know, the preparation from when you leave Portugal to get Hawaii and that final day, it's just, Oh, it's like, you know, people have been watching the, the Michael Jordan doco, the, the build-up to that final is just, there's nothing like it. It's it's incredible. That's that's what would excite me about it. Like, I think if you look at the wave, I, I don't think that matters. If you're the best surfer, you should be able to win in any conditions. Even Amen. Lamar. I, when, when you look at it through a microscope, or we look through it under a microscope, it would make sense that the final of the World Surf League based in the United States would have something that lands in the US for the final. And the most consistent and best wave in the US, mainland US, is in Lemoore. <laughs> and, well, it is. <laughs> and <laughs> you have to agree with me on that. Might be watching yeah. that final. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Obviously, the sentiment is that no one really wants to, like, it's it's an event you guys have to do, but it's not one that many people love besides Lakey and Gabe. Gabe, yeah. Yeah. The biggest loss of the World Tour has been lowers. So it would feel as if that's where the final event would be. Mainland US, that's where the sponsors are going to be. Because you go do something in Indonesia, then your US audience is going to be asleep when it's on. And that's where the most valuable audience is. That's where the league is based. It kind of makes it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Sounds weird. <laughs> what he's trying to say is that is the final going to be at Trestles? They just spit it out, Sam. Come on. Oh, I, don't, <laughs> I haven't heard that at all. I would, I don't know. Yeah. Because I just, I, if you look at it objectively, there's no other way it could be. You need something that has lefts and rights. No one's really has, like, it doesn't play to anyone's advantage, lowers really, I don't think. No, oh, it, it depends. Um, I don't think it's like gnarly enough to be like, like imagine they had a like ten foot chopes. That would be like day of days, right? But they couldn't. I, I just think, it's, or like six to eight foot pipe, six to ten foot pipe. 
Plap, I think Plap is a is a really good place to have a world title decider, but I think Lowers will provide something completely different. We haven't had it like that. The pipe's been there for how many years as a decider. I think the model is ready for an evolution, and I think this is a I think it's a gigantic leap forward in the right direction. Like there's no way you'll miss that. If you surf, there's no way you'll miss that day of competition. No. It was like that day, Mick, when you came up against Gabe and Adriana. Everyone got up at, in Australia. Everyone got up at four in the morning, and it was the most extraordinary show you'd ever seen. Mm. Um, obviously, it didn't go the way for you that we th- everyone thought it was going to go. But I think if you were guaranteed that day every year, it will just be the pinnacle of surfing to watch. Yeah. I got up at two a.m. this year to watch the the, the world title go down. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was. And nuts. you get people around. It's like a coffee party. It's if they can engineer that to happen every year, it's so much better than that organic, organically happening every seven or nine or 11 years. Yeah. But I, I, I also see the, the res- reservations from the other side, you know. For sure. And, and I, I understand that. But, yeah, I, I think as a young guy on tour, it's like I'm having, a, <laughs> I'm having a fucking hard enough time just becoming consistent to win that many events. And if I get to the end of the ratings and be like, I've already – I've won now. Now I've got to go and beat the best five guys in the world. So fuck, here we go again. It's it's exhausting. But um, on the flip side, being older, being in that situation, I, I I would have loved it. And I also think, and we're laboring on this topic, but from at least a business standpoint, we run our events with our staff events, far smaller scale. But I don't know why you, should, you can't have a fifty dollar pay per view that day. I don't know why you can't have a thousand seats at a thousand dollars. There's a million bucks there. You do 20,000 sales at $50 for the pay-per-view. There's a million dollars there. This is a surf league that openly hasn't made money and they, and the service they provide is something that we all love. And I think the business model needs to work at a point as well. And we all pay for the UFC when they're on. I just, I don't see a problem of that most extraordinary day of surfing to pay $50 for it. What do you guys think about that? I think I think it should be you should have to pay a membership fee from the quarters on. So like up until the quarters is like the prelims, the prelim battles. And then from the quarters on, if you want to keep watching, you've got to pay or pay 120 bucks subscription. Um, and people are going to be like, ah, you can't do that. Can't make you pay for surfing. But we're paying for um, websites to tell us when the waves are coming. We're paying for Netflix that you might watch one TV show every other day. or um, So it's like, yeah, I, I'm into the pay-per-view side of it. I think it's great. I want it to endure. I want it to be around. I think they'd provide an extraordinary service. I think that it is a model that is flawed currently and it, it, does, need, it does need an upgrade. What do you think, brother? Uh, charge them. <laughs> put some more money in the surface pocket I don't, I, don't know, I don't know i'd pay i pay for nfl nba nhl mlb ufc i pay for all of it like i don't know why they wouldn't charge people they probably lose a, a little bit of like people like saying they're purists or what i don't know can't charge to watch the ocean or but like mick said we already pay to watch the cams and look at forecasts like i don't know they're trying to make money like why don't they do it that way. If it was even from an environmental standpoint, at Lowers, you had a set of grandstands bleachers down there, and you close it down so you wouldn't impact the environment down there. It would be 
to, to watch that event down there live would be the most incredible experience. You know what? We know how far it gets. The surfing in California is so predictable. You'll know four or five days out the day it's going to be on. And to be down there for four to six hours to watch that, yeah, I just think it would be an, ex- an experience like no other. It would be what they're trying to achieve with the pool in Lamore, but would actually happen at, in the ocean. Mm. I wonder also, if there, what sorry, other waves would you would you go at? Pipe is, sorry, you go. I just always thought they were going to do that, like firing, wa- like barreling waves. like So then the best barrel rider would win. Mm. I, I thought it was going to be changed each and every year. That's, that was my understanding. Uh, you know, but I'm going back to 1943 when we actually talked about it <laughs> uh, when I was there in the room. But um, yeah, look, uh, I, that'd be sick. That's that's cool. I think mm. if if it changed, the boat trip well, thing is cool. But I don't know, like winning a title on a boat would be kind of weird. I feel like like no one around, like yay, I won. Like I don't know. <laughs> it's not like you're getting a chopper out of there. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like those like moments at Pipe, you know, when there's like all those people and stuff, like those historic photos. Yeah, that's something you might lose. <laughs> you'll be on like it's... a little, you'll be on a little dinghy, like you. Okay, so <laughs> you guys, really quick, top five waves in the world you could have the final at. It's going to be a short list, I'd imagine. What time of year is it? That's another big factor. Yeah, it is. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> But if it's a shortened year, I don't know whether it is shortened and it starts halfway through and ends at the end, or if it starts at the front end of the year and finishes in the middle. Mm. So if we we'll just go with September. Okay, let's go with September. Let's work out where it's not. It's not Australia. Why? Australia in September sucks. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't. Know. You, could get a, you could get a Fiji swell in September. Windy, but yeah, potentially. Mm. Um. It sort of Le- limits a lot. It's sort of Le more Grave. than Le Grave. Um, Middle of the night, though, for a US broadcast? I don't think it, that really matters. I think they can hold off the broadcast if there's no spectators. Yeah, I know, but how yeah, do you do that Sam. with social media? <laughs> you just don't hit send. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys both came of age at different ends of professional surfing's golden age. Uh, Mick, you came in at the first of the really well-looked-after generation, and I believe, Kalei, you might be coming at the very end. So you were born in 81, Mick, and you were born in 94, Chloe? Yeah. Yeah. So I think you guys were in that perfect sweet spot. There was a, there's a bunch of people between you, but I don't think – I think the way it is going to be now might be how it was prior to that. Discuss. As far as what? Like – the, the amount of money you're making? Yep. Well, I guess... I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how much other people make. <laughs> I guess uh, for, for where, we, where we were, you know, when I first started on tour and stuff like that, surfing was growing so fast um, and everyone, it was like the cool genre. You know, the billabongs were building up to become public and you know, Quicksilvers and all that sort of stuff. And it just started just growing. And then there was all these other brands coming through too. Like it wasn't just the big three. That's when Hurley came in. There was. Um, yeah, I believe Nike was the biggest accelerant because all the other surf brands, they were so someone like Billabong 
whilst Kawhi had a Nike. And like, shit, we don't want to lose these other guys. And so they just had to pay more for them. And I think you guys, like, oh, shit, we don't want to lose Meg to Nike. And so you guys were the beneficiaries of those salaries going up. Surfing was just so big at that time. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it was just it was just the growth and everyone was just like, yeah, we've got all this cash, you know, <laughs> like your, your claws and your, <laughs> you know, your Gordons and, yeah, we can throw money at him, yeah, do this and that. Um, and then all of a sudden we just started seeing this downturn and that was the – that was, a, I think that's when everyone started like tighten up their wallets. But there was that fear of, okay, well, if we lose our number one guy to this brand, um, we're going to make sure that we look after that that number one guy. And then, um, and then, oh, this guy could be the number one guy. But I think it always it went through also down, like way down to like little kids and stuff. Like oh, this kid could be world champion. It's throwing five thousand bucks, you know. It's like five thousand. You're from Australia, huh? Kids getting fifty grand around here. <laughs> they can't even do a cutback. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like surfing in the past, or I, they always say like history repeats itself, right? So, surfing in the past has gone through these like beach blanket bingo, like in the that was like the fifties or sixties, and then it went down to the dark ages, and then it went back up to like echo beach and like color and like surfing's back with like the rock and roll side of things. And it just seems like, you know, maybe it went back down and then it kind of went up. And like you said, you know, we got the, I got the end of it or Mick got, got the peak you, of it. No, you, you didn't get the end of it. You got the sweet spot. You did the smartest <laughs> deal in history, the 10 year deal with Nike. Talking about this, I guess that leads into the next question with Kaloa is like, because you're the leader of, this new San Clemente group coming through, is there something that you guys are pushing towards or is there, are you sort of passing down your knowledge of like, you know, try this, do this? Um, I'm definitely like hang with the kids a lot. And like, you know, when I say kids, I mean like Griffin, even though he's a man and, even his brothers they're all they're actually like all taller than me now which is super weird <laughs> but um i definitely try to like help them out i know they they um they all surf really really good at lowers but um when they when they went over to australia this year for all the comps they got like waxed they all got waxed and i was like hey i, I told every single one of them i said hey um when i say everyone i mean like cole hausman Cade Madsen, Jet Schilling, and Crosby. I said, "Hey, you guys need to start surfing like bad waves, like like beach breaks, like surf T Street and Riviera on low tide. Like, figure out boards for that stuff because like you guys are gonna rip if you get on tour on the good waves, but on you know when they're running it up manly in the afternoon on the low tide and windy, it's you guys look terrible. Like, come on. <laughs> as far as Griffin goes, I feel like." Uh, I learned a lot from him too, just watching him surf. So it's pretty rad to surf with him a lot. Mm. He's, a, he's a funny kid, eh? He's just always looking for little gemstones. You know, when he came and stayed here, he's like going through my bookshelf and and finding <laughs> books. And it was it was pretty cool to see. And uh, you know, going back and and watching older footage of of guys and you know just 
re- real, really studying the game, which is is really exciting. So I didn't know if that sort of came from you or was that just a natural thing for him to to move into? Well, I feel like Griffin, he kind of acts like kind of ditzy or dumb and to get away with things, but he's actually super switched on and smart when it comes to like surfing, professional surfing or whatever. And um, yeah, I feel like also he's kind of at that age where he's kind of looking for that like silver bullet to give him success where it's, you got to figure it out for yourself. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm also a little bit worried about some of the younger kids because I do hang out with them and surf with them a lot, but I'm like married and, been on tour for almost 10 years and like my life's a lot different than them so i'm constantly encouraging them to like have fun and be a kid and like you don't need to like like just go surf and you know get in trouble whatever like do do kid stuff because toilet paper houses and stuff yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah like you know have fun like because that's what i got to do and those are like some of the most memorable times in my whole life because when that's done, you're going to be either on tour of the QS or working a job and it's going to be a lot more serious. So when you're 16 and 17, you know, enjoy life. Good words. <laughs> so wise. <laughs> <laughs> I told you all that losing on the tour makes me wise. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a quick confirm deny before we wrap, boys. So confirm deny. Confirm or deny. The 2021 tour will see Kolohe engage Mick as a coach. Oh, I can't answer this. <laughs> I'll go uh, behind the scenes email coach because I always ask him questions. Well, you know that Gabriel asked him how to surf pipe via email and it seemed to work. Well, I asked him how to surf J-Bay. I'd love to know what comes back in an email to, to, to unlock those codes. I'll send well, you on how to be a journalist, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, so look, I, I guess, I guess, yeah. Like for the people that don't know, it, it's it's all just pretty much just honest stuff. It's I'm not going to sugarcoat anything or give you some sit by the the fig tree under the rainbow with the gone yellow brick road. It's it's, it's pretty straightforward stuff, and um, it's just the experiences that I've had there. I can't speak on anyone else's behalf or, or things that I see that other people do that are really well. Um, but, yeah, other than that, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's, it's not a really good read. <laughs> it's, you're not going to be like um, a lot of it's just, yep, this happens here or that happens there or this board might work here It's or this turn. Like it's, it's it pretty much just breaking down what, the big picture is i was i was super surprised like when i asked you about jbay how like thorough you were and like not open but like how much information you had like retained in your head about the wave it was pretty rad as you said i'm old and i went there a lot (laughs) (laughs) what was the most remarkable piece of advice in there brother well one of the things that i that I really liked um, that I used actually for the rest of the year f- for competing. And I'll, I'll probably use it for the rest of my career was that he said he always liked to finish his first wave. And I felt it was like one of those things that once he said it, it, it 
clicked in my mind. And then I realized like, oh, when I finish my first wave, like no matter what the score is, I always feel like a little bit more confident and relaxed. So it was kind of a rad thing. And I is that is that where Mick does the like the bow legged thing and looks down into his legs? Is that the finishing? <laughs> that thing you do, Mick? After you get uh, a good one? <laughs> no, I don't know. Maybe I'm just exhausted and my legs are on fire. No. <laughs> my legs fuck. <laughs> get those fixed. <laughs> Confirm or deny. Chloe Dino will break his sobriety when he wins a world tour event, dye his hair black, and become an emo free surfer. Deny. Deny. <laughs> How long have you been sober for now? Um, I had one big night like a week ago, but that was like, <laughs> there's been spots. <laughs> I've been sober since it would have been like almost five years, but then I got married. So that was kind of out the window on the boys' trip and then the wedding. And, then, and i was like there's no events like i might as well just like have some fun yeah you'll probably be sober up by 2021 like it's plenty of time yeah is that, the, like, is that uh, the... <laughs> i was like if i drink now am i gonna lose my next seat like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> shit is, is is it just based around the surfing side of it or is it um is it just personal just like because I, I, I never used to drink during events, but then, yeah, I was notorious for blowing it right off uh, at the end of the event. But that was just me letting go of steam. Yeah, it was just the way I would think and the way I would feel when I was drinking. I just didn't like myself, so I just clipped it. I thought we had heaps of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Confirm or deny. Given the influence of mothers and world titles, Chloe will take his mum, Tina, on the road with him in 2021. Kind of deny? She's not going to go on every event with me. No, we, there's, a, there's just been, when we've been doing these interviews, there's something coming up about the uh, the prevalence of mothers and service who are getting world titles. And it's like from Mick to John, even to Gabe, as like the, the mothers have had an impact in there, like a almost like an out, more of an outsized influence in the father. Before, I, when I was younger or whatever, I was always like, I call it the blame game. I would like whoever I was with or whatever. And if I did bad, I would like blame, blame it on, yeah, like being around them or whatever. And then like conversation that I had with my dad before the event was like, you need to take like 100% ownership and like everything that goes down. This was before last year. So... Once I owned up to that before the season, I was like a lot more relaxed and I was able to like bring my mom and wife and dad, like everything was just like super easy. It's funny. Eh? You, you see a lot of, um, you see a lot of athletes and surfers and um, blame their coach or blame their support crew for something that they did out in the water in a heat. And it's like, Hang on. <laughs> it's like, that, that, that doesn't make sense. I got to a point where I would do everything because then I had no excuses to blame anyone else. It was just like, all right, I'll put my boards in the car, I'll wax them up, I'll get them ready. You know, I'll make sure that I've got everything and, and you just be there as a, as a sounding board. And I feel like that, that worked. And, but then it sort of backfired a little bit. It was where sometimes I couldn't ask for help, which was, because I was too controlling in that sense. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's a funny one. Yeah, well, I, I remember 
going back to the 2015 year, you wrote Snips an email and he said that you'll never, you will never blame him for something you do or how you compete or whatever. Just give, he said, he said that you said, just give you all the information and you'll pick from it what you want and then go from there. And then ever since I heard that, I was like, oh, that's pretty rad. <laughs> so with, with all this downtime that you've had, uh-huh. what are the changes that you're looking towards come 2021 when the tour is coming, gets back going? Is it boards? Is it um, the way that you want to compete? Is it different preparations or, or what deep thought has come in and I'm going to change this to make, you know, obviously last year was a great season, but how are you going to take that next step? I'm trying to get my legs stronger. You know, I'll, I'll, I always feel like the stronger your legs are, the better. I feel. I also feel like John and Gabriel are two of the strongest guys on tour. They never fall big, giant legs and big spray, big airs, never get hurt. Or at least John, you know, now his legs are big <laughs> after he hurt himself twice. But um, yeah, so I thought I, I really wanted to do that. I, you know, usually you only have two months or or so to get ready for the tour. So I was kind of taking this as a little bit to kind of transform my body and try to get stronger, more flexible, better, better power, balance, footwork, all that stuff. So as far as that stuff goes, yeah, just trying to become more of a better athlete. But then surfing, I feel like, um, I feel like I'm just, I wanted to try a little bit more foam this year because of, um, I feel like I can just do bigger stuff more consistently. Um, and then also just trying to push cause I, I'm still young and I want to get better at airs and try to learn like full rotation back, back four rotations back in does kind of like, seems like it worked well for some people last year. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, On the to, coast. yeah <laughs> or everywhere. <laughs> um, so I was just, yeah, taking an honest look at my surfing and trying to get better at, at everything really. But the four rotation backhand thing has definitely been like a, a little bit of a project for me lately. Yeah. And then on the board side is, you know, we last year heading into J Bay, you grabbed some DHs and had a few more after that. And, um, you know, I could see the the slight differences in your surfing. Is that something you're still working with, with Matt? Yeah. Well, it was a it was an interesting thing for me because I um I really like the DHDs and like like we spoke before I felt like my surfing because of the edges and maybe the fin placement and um, some other things that my surfing looked a little bit bigger. Uh, so then, what happened was Matt tried to like exact copy those, and then it and then I went to Europe with all these like kind of DHD mayhem things and the boards were a lot more edgy and felt like they were kind of made for like point breaks. And they're like, I wasn't able to do my big airs that I can just like start a rhythm and heats and kind of get going and like build my confidence on smaller waves or whatever while I compete. So then that's why I ended up picking up one of those, um, sub drivers off the rack and I ended up making a couple of heats off of it. Um, so my whole thing was just like, I'm all in 110%. So I just want, you know, I want to work with people like that. So I was 
um, I think Matt, after all this stuff, is really excited to shape me a, a bunch of boards and work on stuff for the, the coming years. But also, this is kind of a time where I can go out and order a Timmy or a Cole or uh, sharp, some Sharp Eyes or Xan, whatever, Xanadu, see anyone I want because, you know, like you said with THD, like I'm always going to ride for, for Matt and he's always going to be my shaper. But I also want to see what's going on with other people and just for some fun and some different stuff under my feet just to have a little bit of fun. So I've definitely done that too. Awesome. <laughs> Exciting. So, so first event, 2021, because we're just writing off 2020, aren't we? First uh, event, 2021, huge legs, yeah. <laughs> edgy tails, uh, and looking forward to winning, not scared of losing. There you go. Awesome. There you have it. <laughs> Perfect concoction. Nice one, boys. But we're at, we're at the end. Thank you so much. We got kind of deep, I feel like. It was, I know. You sent us down this deep path. It was like a <laughs> it was like therapy session on here. <laughs>